Well, now you might want to um, have in front of you the passage that we read towards the beginning of our service, uh, to Second Peter chapter three, and this is found on page one thousand two hundred and eight. Uh, and um, I won't read it again, uh, but I, I will be referring to this passage at various points in in our in our as as we consider as we as we as we think about this uh, as we think about it so 2 peter chapter 3 that's page 1208 and uh, let's pray before we uh, think about god's word oh lord god we do pray now that you will please um, help us please speak to us please lord help me to be able to bring your word very clearly and very helpfully and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, please speak to everybody who's gathered here this evening. And Lord, if there's anybody online as well, uh, we pray that you'll speak to them as well. And we pray, Lord, that those of us who know you will be encouraged and strengthened today in our faith. And Lord, we pray that anybody who doesn't yet know you, we ask you to move that person to come to you. So Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I thought that this evening I would um, deal with the subject of the end of the world. Now, um, I suppose a couple of things have sort of, um, you know, put, led me to think that it might be a good idea to deal with this subject. Um, first of all, uh, of course, there is the war that's going on in Ukraine. And um, there's been talk about nuclear weapons being used. And um, people have said, oh, well, this would be the end of the world if, if that button is pressed. Weapons would go this way and then warheads would go that way and others would, and so on. And the whole world, it is said, would uh, be annihilated. It would, they would cease to exist. Well, then, of course, I suppose another thing people talk about, they say, oh, there is this climate. Well, it's, it's, the language keeps growing, doesn't it? First of all, it's global warming. Then it's um, a climate emergency. Then it's a climate crisis. And then it's a climate disaster. And we're told, oh, we're all going to burn up. We're all going to fry up. It's all going to be, it's going to be the end of us all. And then, of course, there have been the fires in the Mediterranean. And people, people have said, oh, I, it seemed like it was the end of the world. You've got these, I'm sure we've all seen these photographs or maybe videos of, of um, the night sky and the flames coming up against the night sky and people coming closer and closer to people's houses and, and people wondering uh, what to do. It, it does seem that... Although we live in a very secular society, a society that, that uh, has turned its back on God, and it's turned its back on the Bible, there is still this awareness that people have, isn't there? That this world as we know it is going to end. They talk about um, biblical proportions to disaster. People have got this, this idea in the back of their minds. The Bible talks about, about uh, uh, the, this world 
coming to an end. Now, um, the end of the world is actually not quite, though, the way the Bible describes it. Because it's not that this earth is going to finish or not that, or put it another way, it's not that, that there is going to be no more earth. What is going to happen is that the earth as we know it is going to come to an end and all sin and corruption is going to finish. All sinners will be removed from this earth and will be sent to hell. And the creation is going to be renewed. And life is going to be restored to similar to how it was in the original Garden of Eden, only better. Because whereas Adam was not glorified, the Lord's people in this new earth will be glorified. So it's not, strictly speaking, the end of the world, but rather, if you like, the end of this era, the end of, this, of the world as we know it now. And then a new age starting when Jesus comes again. And uh, that's what this passage that in 2 Peter chapter 3 is talking about. If anybody who's just recently arrived, it's, we're looking at 2 Peter chapter 3. There are black cover church Bibles around on different pews. Do grab one and have a look if you want to follow. 2 Peter chapter 3 and what I'm going to do this evening is I'm not, going to go th- I'm not going to go through this passage verse by verse. But what I want to do is to draw out different themes, uh, which are different things that are taught from this passage and make reference to a few other places as well, speaking about the end of the world as we know it now. And the thing is that this world will end as... Uh, this world as we know it now will end when Jesus comes again. And uh, the passage talks a lot about the day of the Lord. That's the day when Jesus will come again. Now, I want you to note then a few things uh, from this passage. The first thing to say is that Jesus is definitely going to come again. That is absolutely certain. Jesus is going to come again. Uh, People might doubt it. People might laugh at the idea of, of, of Jesus coming again. And people, you know, sometimes people, you know, comedy programs, they have, you know, they make fun of, of people sometimes go around with like a sandwich board, you know, saying the end is nigh and things like this. And they, and, they, and comedy programs sort of, sort of you know, laugh at, 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 at Christians who, who say the end of the world is coming. But in fact, the reality is Jesus definitely is going to come again. Now, if you just have a look with me in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse, read, we'll read from the first few verses there. This is now the second letter I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I'm stirring you up. I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Saviour, 
through your apostles. You see, this has been predicted in the Old Testament. There are lots of passages in the Old Testament which predicted that the Messiah, the Christ, would come again as, as king in glory. Jesus himself spoke on many occasions about he, how he is the king who's going to come again. And the apostles also have spoken on numerous, spoke on numerous occasions in various letters, uh, and as recorded in the book of Acts as well, about how Jesus is going to come again. So, yes, definitely Jesus is coming. And we know he's coming from the fact that he died on the cross, but then God raised him from the dead on the third day. He caused him to be seen by many witnesses. And that over a 40-day period. So there's no question that he's been resurrected. And then uh, 50 days after, sorry, 40 days after Jesus was raised from the dead, Jesus, the, the disciples saw Jesus go up to heaven. He went up on the clouds, up to heaven, up to the Father, where he was enthroned as king in heaven. And the angel said to him, as recorded in the book of Acts, this Jesus, whom you've seen go up to heaven, will come down the same way. He is going to come. That is absolutely sure and certain. Now, the passage goes on to talk about how people laugh at the idea of him coming. Verse 3. Knowing, that, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days, and scoffing, following their own evil desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. See, that's what people are saying. Oh, they're saying, oh, it's been 2,000 years now. You know, you say he's coming back, but where is he? You know, you said he's coming, where is he? They're laughing at the idea of Jesus coming back. But, he says, verse 5, they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water, through water, by the word of God. You see, the people who deny the second coming of Jesus, they also deny the creation. They say, oh, this world just got here by chance. This world just got here through a process of evolution over millions and millions and millions of years. It all happened just through natural processes. But actually, this world came into being by the command of God. God said, let there be light. And there was light. And then he said this and he said that. And all the different things came into being. And they also forget that God has already brought one judgment on the world, which was the judge at the, time, the flood at the time of Noah. Verse 6. By means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and destroyed. God said, let the rain come down. And the rain came, and they came, and they came, and they came, and the flood waters came up from the underneath the earth, and there was this flood that filled the entire world. And just as God created the world by his command, and just as he 
He deluged the world at the time of, of Noah so that God who brought the world into being by command also has the power to bring it to an end. Verse 7. By that same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. So, yes, uh, Jesus is definitely going to come again. There's no question about that. He is definitely going to come and bring this world to an end. Now, the second thing I want you to notice from this passage and from other passages as well is this. That nobody knows when Jesus is going to come again. It is completely unknown to everybody as to when he's going to come. Look at verse 8 now. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. All should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now what's the whole thing about a thief? The whole thing about a thief is you don't know when the thief is going to come. If you knew when the thief was going to come, the thief wouldn't be able to get into your house because you'd be up to make sure your house was secured. The whole point is a thief comes when you're not expecting a thief to break in. And that's the point that's, that, that is here. Jesus is going to come again when nobody is expecting him. Now, um, this is something which is important to stress because there are those who, who would, you know, those who, there are some who profess to be Christians who are Christians, I'm sure, many of them, uh, and, 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 and fine people. But they, it seems to me, are mistaken on this point because they follow different things going on in the world and they look at different events going on and say, ah, there you are, you see. You can see that Jesus is just about to come back. And they say, oh look, I can see this prophecy fulfilled. I can see that prophecy fulfilled. This one, this one. So I can tell you that Jesus is going to come back. Now, it's quite sad really. Different groups like the Jehovah's Witnesses have predicted various dates for Jesus to come back again. And sometimes even those who call, call themselves evangelical Christians have said, oh, you know, the date that Jesus is going to come back or the year he's going to come back is here. And they've been proved wrong, of course, time and time and time again. If only they, they listened to their Bibles and read their Bibles, they would know that you can't predict when Jesus is going to come. In Matthew chapter 24, you might want to have a look with me if you want to. Um, uh, Matthew chapter 24, uh, verse 36, page, one, page 986. Uh, Jesus says... But concerning that day, the day when he comes again, an hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. 
As it was in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And then they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be at the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That's the point. He's coming when you don't expect him. You don't know when he's coming. And so to try to say, oh, I've worked out from this scripture or that scripture when he's coming, you're on a hiding to nothing. Because Jesus himself didn't know when he was coming when he was on earth. So how can you expect to know more than what Jesus did? The angels themselves, they don't know when Jesus is coming. How can you hope to know more than the angels? No. Uh, nobody knows when he's going to come again. And this means that we need to be ready all the time. Because he could come back tonight. Or he might come in a thousand years, like we just read. To the Lord, a thousand years is like a day, and a day is like a thousand years. So, you know, it would be nothing for the Lord to just say, okay, well, let's delay it for ten years. Ten thousand years. Or twenty thousand years. It's fine, no problem. He can do that. If that's what he chooses to do. So we should never try to work out uh, when Jesus is coming. The timing of Jesus' coming is impossible to predict. Third thing is this. There is going to be only one coming of Christ. Now, some of you might be aware that there is a school of thought among some Bible-believing Christians, and I'm sure that, that these are true believers and, and we love them in the Lord. And what, what some, some of our brothers and sisters say is that, is that there's going to be two comings of Jesus. There's going to be a secret coming when Jesus will come in the middle of the night or, or when people aren't really aware and nobody will know that he's coming and it will just be some sort of mysterious thing that he's, he's come down near to the earth and then the obedient Christians will all disappear in what they call a secret rapture. And so all the, all the obedient Christians will be sort of, will fly away and then the, the, the disobedient Christians and, and the non-Christians will be left on the earth for a period of, of terrible tribulation, this, this view says. And then later on, Jesus will come again for, 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 for the, the, his second coming. And uh, this passage that I've just referred to in Matthew 24 is one passage that people refer to when they say, oh, look, it says, look, you know, uh, one, will be, one will be taken, the other will be left. So there are, you see, the Christians, some will be, will be taken away. But actually, when you look at this passage carefully, you realize this isn't talking about some sort of secret rapture or some sort of secret coming before Jesus' final This is talking about the second coming. 
He's saying, he says, about that day and hour. What is that, that day? Well, that is the day when he, he's coming in glory to end this world and to bring in a, a new world. He's not talking about some sort of secret coming here. Uh, if you go back to verse 27, he says, As the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. It's not going to be some sort of secret, oh, you know, Jesus has sort of, you know, come like some sort of alien spacecraft that nobody's aware of, and then, you know, he just snatches away some of the Christians and takes them away again. No. When Jesus comes again, it's going to be plain and obvious for the whole world to see. It's not going to be one, one interim coming, which takes some of the Christians away, and then, you know, he comes again uh, a few years later. Uh, for the second proper second coming. No, no, no. There's only one second coming of Christ. Now, another passage that people refer to sometimes when they talk about the so-called secret rapture is that passage that I read uh, a little while ago from 1 Thessalonians. You might want to have a look at that now. Um, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse... 13, and this is on page 1174. And uh, people say, oh, you know, it says, talks there about how, it says, uh, we who are alive, verse 17, we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So they say, oh, look, there you are, see? There's, there's a rapture. People are taken up to meet the Lord in the air. Well, hang on a minute. Look at it more carefully. He says, verse 15, uh, verse 16, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, and the sound of the trumpet of God. That doesn't sound very secret to me. <laughs> That's pretty open, isn't it? It's very public. A cry of command, the voice of the archangel, the sound of the trumpet. There's blasted out across the whole world. He's back! This is not some sort of secret return, secret rapture. This is the Lord coming for the second, uh, his, 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 the final time, his final coming. And that's why it says that uh, he will not precede those who have fallen asleep. But not precede. This is, this is the time of the resurrection. There will be the resurrection of the dead and, uh, the, 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 and, and, and then the dead are raised and then, as, and then also those of us who are believers, who are still alive, we will be instantly transformed into resurrection bodies and we'll go up to meet the Lord in the air as he comes down from heaven, down to, the, to earth, which he's going to recreate. So there's only one second coming of Christ. It's not like, you know, one secret rapture, secret coming, followed a little while, later, a few years later, by a, a, a public coming. Now, coming back then to um, Second Peter, uh, after that little diversion there to those other passages, um, the next thing I want you to see, the fourth thing I want you to see, 
is that when Jesus comes again, this world as we know it will finish. So just have a look again at verse 7, which you read earlier. Let's just read it again. By 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, by the, the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept for, uh, until the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. This world will be, as we know it, will be destroyed by fire. Now notice, this is going to happen on the day of the Lord, when Jesus comes again. It's not going to happen through nuclear war. There may be a nuclear war. I'm not saying there isn't going to be a nuclear war. There may well be a nuclear war. And parts of the world might well be obliterated. That's quite possible. London is probably one of the top of the top of the list, along with New York and Moscow. Probably they're the three most likely places to be obliterated. That, that may well happen, but that won't be the end of the world as such. It will probably bring a lot of... Global warming will no longer be a problem then, because um, the sky will, will be... sun will be blacked out for, 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 for many years, and the great problem then will not be global warming, the great problem will be global freezing. A global winter uh, uh, for, for many years. Crops will fail because everything's too cold. And then everybody will be burning as much coal and gas as they possibly can to try and warm it all up again. So, uh, so that's... So, uh, but what will actually end the world will be when Jesus comes. There may be all sorts of catastrophes before then, but that will not be the end of the world. It will be when Jesus comes that that will be the end of the world as we know it. And uh, as we know it now. And then also, if you look down to verse 10, um, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved and the earth and the works that are done in it will be exposed or it could be translated laid bare. So there's going to be this massive, massive upheaval. This universe as we know it will, will, will cease to exist and the earth will be, will be if you like, scorched. It will be, it'll be thoroughly reorganized and thoroughly changed. Also verse 12 he said that we should be waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. And so this world as we know it will come to an end. Well why? Well the answer is because this world has been messed up by sin. The sin of Adam has had a catastrophic effect upon the whole of creation. And so the only way that this can be undone is the whole universe disassembled, as it were, and then put back together again under new principles. So 
this world will come to an end when Jesus comes again. And then uh, the next thing to say is this, that when uh, Jesus comes again, this will be the time when the wicked, the unsaved, will no longer have any opportunity for salvation. Verse 7. By the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. So what is going to happen when Jesus comes again is that the ungodly will be destroyed. Now, we need to understand that. It's not talking about the annihilation of the ungodly. It's not saying, okay, that's it. They cease to exist and um, they are annihilated. They just die and, and that's it. There's the end of any existence for those who, who are unsaved. Uh, um, that's not the teaching of the Bible. The teaching, when the Bible talks about destruction, it's talking about everlasting destruction uh, in hell. Um, Jesus said uh, about hell, he said, in that place their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. He says, as recorded in Matthew 25, when he talks about how people will be separated as like sheep from the goats, he says that the righteous will go away to everlasting life and the, and the wicked away to everlasting punishment. Um, Revelation chapter 14 tells us that, that those who, 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 who um, uh, worship the beast and its image and receive a mark on their forehead, says the person who does that, he will drink of the wine of God's wrath poured out in full strength into the cup of his anger, and he will be tormented with fire and sulfur in the presence of his holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever, and they have no rest, day or night, these worshippers of the beast and of its image, and whoever receives the mark of its name. I'm sad to have to say this to you, that, but the Bible warns that those who are not right with God, when Jesus comes again, they will be, they'll be judged by the Lord and they'll be, they'll be sent off to hell to, punish, to, to experience everlasting punishment in, in the lake of fire, which is hell. Um, Revelation 20 says, uh, if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire, Revelation 20, verse 15. And so the, the coming of the Lord, the second coming, the end of this world as we know it, will usher in the, 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 the punishment of, of the wicked. And that's why, says there, that's why Jesus hasn't come straight away. Because God's desire, as it says in verse 9 of 2 Peter 3, uh, God is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So God is holding back, but he's not going to hold back forever. 
And at some point, Jesus will come again. And then there'll be no opportunity then for salvation. That's the, the, that the period of salvation then is, is closed. The door is closed. And, uh, and all those who have not been saved by then will be, will be sent to hell. And then the last thing to say before I make some points of application is that for, for us who believe the coming of the Lord Jesus will mean a new heaven and a new earth. Verse 13. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. See, I think this is what some, some people misunderstand about the final state. It's not that the final state is going to be no heaven, no, no, no universe, no earth, nothing material, just we're all disembodied and floating in heaven in, 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 like angels. No. Yes, for a period of time we will have disembodied spirits in paradise as we're waiting for the resurrection. But when Jesus comes again, our bodies will be raised. We'll have tangible bodies that you can feel and touch. And we will live in a physical, well not, yeah, a physical recreated earth that you can feel and touch and walk on and so on. There is going to be new heavens and new earth. The difference is There'll be no more suffering. We'll have resurrection bodies which will never get ill, never die. The animals won't be eating each other. Uh, the things won't be breaking, won't be getting destroyed. There'll be no more wars, no famines, no earthquakes. And uh, we who believe will live in this wonderful new world with God as our Father, living in harmony with each other, we won't be sinning anymore and we shall see the Lord. And when we see him, we shall be like him. So those are some things then. Let me just repeat for you those six things. First of all, Jesus is going to come again. Secondly, the timing of Jesus' coming is impossible to predict. Thirdly, there's only going to be one coming of Christ, not, not multiple comings. Fourthly, the world as we know it will come to an end when he comes. Fifthly, when he comes, it will usher in a time of judgment for unsaved sinners. And then sixthly, when he comes, he will bring in the new heavens and the new earth. Well, let me just bring you then some points of application. What, what lessons can we learn from this for ourselves? Well, the first thing, of course, is to make, you must make sure you're saved. Because you don't know when Jesus is going to come again. He might come back tonight. He's going to come at a time when nobody's expecting him. Maybe he will come back tonight. You don't know, do you? He might come back tomorrow. If he was to come back, where would you go? Where would he send you? Would he send you to welcome you to the new earth that he's going to bring, bring into being? Or will he send you to hell? You need to make sure you're saved. So how can I be saved? Well, the great good news is that this Jesus who's coming as king died on the cross and made a sacrifice for sinners. And if you trust in Jesus, all your sins will be forgiven 
And you'll be given the right to be part of this new world that's going to come into being. So first thing is make sure you're saved. And then if you are saved, clearly we should live in glad expectation of his coming. Listen, all your troubles are going to be over when he comes again. No more suffering. No more poverty. No more ill health. No more quarrels. No more sin. This is going to be great. It's going to be literally heaven on earth. Look forward. You know, sometimes think we think, oh no, the end of the world. Ooh. Great! Suffering will be over. Fantastic. Look forward to it. He's coming again. You know, um, one of the early prayers was Maranatha. It's in 1 Corinthians, which oh Lord, come. Do we pray, Lord, come? What do you think? Oh, I rather like this world. No, we should be eagerly looking forward to him coming again. And, you know, you don't, it means that we should not worry too much about our present suffering. So, okay, we've got aches and pains, we've got difficulties, but never mind. You know, somebody said to me the other day, oh, my body's wearing out, I need, need a new body. Well, yeah, but you're going to get one when Jesus comes. So don't worry. Look forward to that day. Now, next thing is, we should hasten his coming. Uh, how do we hasten his coming? How do we, how do we uh, bring forward, as it were, the day of his coming? Well, the answer is, we bring forward the day of his coming by telling others about Christ. See, God has got his chosen ones that he's planning to save. If there's one of the ones that Jesus has chosen to save hasn't yet been saved, he won't be coming. Every single one of his chosen ones needs to be found. We need to find those lost sheep. So it's like you know that those games hunt the, you know the, the, these children's games. You've got to find all these different clues or find these little things, and then when they found them all, the game's over. Well, we've got to we've got to find the elect, hunt the elect. How do we find them? Because we don't they don't have a badge on them saying I'm one of the one of the chosen ones. Well, we preach the gospel to everybody, and those whom whom the Lord has chosen will come. So, we must hasten the day of His coming. And then also, we should be holy. Verse 14. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. You don't want to have the embarrassment of Jesus coming back and you're involved in some dodgy Activity, some wrong sin. If you're saved, you're saved, but you don't want that embarrassment. We need to be ready. We need to be living every day in, so that if he comes back today, okay, I'm all right. Because I'm right with him and I'm serving him. That's what we should be. Each day living as living 
so that if he should come back today, I won't have any reason to be ashamed.